Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. It's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Victoria Collier, the CEO and founder of Quid Pro Quo. Victoria, how are you today? I'm doing great, LA. Thank you. And it's great to be here. It's awesome to have you on the show. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is for all you attorney entrepreneurs that are listening, how much is your law firm worth? <laughs> and I can tell you it's probably not worth what you think it is. So uh, Victoria, would love to hear a little bit about what you do at Quid Pro Quo and how you help answer that question. Sure, absolutely. So uh, after I sold my law firm in 2020, I started Quid Pro Quo because essentially lawyers were reaching out to me. I had been coaching lawyers since 2008, and they were reaching out to me saying, how did you do that? Well, fortunately, when I still had my law firm, I did estate planning, and I had actually become credentialed on exit planning so that I could help my clients who owned their own businesses exit their businesses through their estate planning process. And so I um, started helping lawyers with selling their practices. But the first step is always valuation. And you're right. You know, I mean, people don't know what their firms are worth. Sometimes it's worth much more than they think. And sometimes it's not worth anything. So it's it's getting that to that right number. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that uh, attorneys can usually do, and unfortunately, so many attorneys just opt for this route. So if you attorney entrepreneurs are listening, I would strongly suggest that you don't do this. Talk to Victoria, talk to someone else you trust, which is turn the lights off, lock up the door and retire, right? We don't want to do that because you're leaving money on the table. And Victoria, I didn't know you were an estate planner. So love to talk through this a little bit you know, with the nature of the, the one and done nature of estate plans. You might argue that an estate planning practice isn't worth much once you hand it off because there's no legacy caseload to go with it. So would love to hear your your thoughts on how you were able to value your firm and sell it. Well, I would actually argue that estate planning is not a one and done and that that is a misperception in that an estate plan isn't something that you just do and put on the shelf. Your life changes and your estate plan should reflect your life and your desires. And so there are... Uh, there's one philosophy that you should update your plan every three to five years, or at least look at it every three to five years. There's another philosophy, which is the one that I had in my office, which was that be on a client maintenance program. And so then that way we are meeting with you no less than once a year to see what's changed in your life and how does that impact your estate plan. But let's just assume for a second somebody does a, a will with powers of attorney, then later they start accumulating some assets like their primary home, cars, boats. Now they might want to actually avoid probate. So then they upgrade to a revocable living trust. Then later their investments have done well because I don't know, maybe they bought Bitcoin or something before it dropped. And so now they want to do some asset protection, some tax planning. Then they're progressing into old age and they're like, look, we need to do some long-term care planning and can we preserve some of these resources? Now we're doing asset protection planning, long-term care planning, Medicaid planning, veterans benefits planning, and then they die. And you know, before they die, maybe they're incompetent and they need a guardian and then they die and then there's probate. So, I mean, how many things were right there that this one firm can do? So 
first and foremost, that's one of the value propositions for an estate planning firm. Love that. To say nothing of trust administration, which is right. the, the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving. So that's fantastic. And you laid that out beautifully. So as an attorney, if I'm looking to find out how my firm is worth, what's what are some things I should be looking at within my firm that would tell me that maybe it's worth more or less than I think it might be? Right. So there are certainly tangible assets that you can create within your firm that's above and beyond the revenue because that's what everybody wants to look at. And, you know, what I would advise people not to do is just bank your value on your grosser net income. There's so many other factors that bring value. So those assets are and can be your database list and just having one can bring some value, but how you use it brings even greater value if you touch your database list on a regular basis through either emails or newsletters or seminars or phone calls. And so be in touch with the people on your list. So database list, then there's your phone number. If you have data that can show that your phone is ringing off the hook every day, every month, then that's predictable revenue because they're not calling to sell you something, they're calling to buy something, except people don't keep that kind of data, right? But if your firm is getting five calls a day and there's a firm over here getting 200 calls a day and you can show that through phone records, which do you think is more valuable? You know, the one that can show they're getting 200 calls a day. There's that. Uh, we do look at the traffic on websites when we are valuing law firms because people are like, oh, I've got the best website and it's a great URL. And I go there and there's been like zero organic searches for the past 90 days. I'm like, yeah, it looks pretty, but that's not going to do you much, you know. Um, so there's that. Certainly, in my opinion, one of the most valuable things is the team. Uh, who are your team members and what do they do for you? And what that leads to and why it's so valuable is, is the business autonomous from the owner? If the owner can step away and that business continues to make money, that is valuable. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Thank you for that really succinct explanation. You hit a lot of the points that that, that people should be looking for when they're looking at the law firm, seeing if it has value. So I've got a couple of quick questions for you. First question is, how do you sell a firm? Like who's going to buy it and how do you find the buyers? Right. So surprisingly, there's actually a good pool of prospective buyers who are entrepreneurial business men and women who happen to be lawyers and may even own their own law firms. So that's the number one is people who see themselves as business people versus lawyer first. And they are looking to buy an asset that has income producing revenue, you know, that's passive income. Like I personally right now am in negotiations to buy a law firm. I'm not going to step in and be the lawyer. I am buying it because it's already what I would call turnkey. And I'm just going to enjoy the revenue off of that. And of course, I'll be the leader. I'll be the CEO. I'll be the visionary and we'll make some tweaks. But as is, it's already going to just put money in my pocket. And there's a number of lawyers out there that have that mindset. So that's number one. Number two is there's lawyers who have been what they thought was on the partnership track, and then they're not. And how this comes about is ultimately 
their firm gets sold to an outside third party and they're like, hey, what am I, chump change? <laughs> I thought I was going to be, you know, becoming one of these partners and owners. And then they have a bad taste in their mouth. And then they go and they buy a firm where they are, in fact, the practitioner, the lawyer, and the owner, uh, which is what they wanted from the beginning. And so, you know, they find a smaller firm generally where they can come in and own that and start rocking and rolling without having to build their own database, their own referral sources. And there's a number of people that are just like that as well. And and how do these attorneys, these these business people who are looking to buy other law firms, how do they find them? Like, is there a I don't know, a place where they all hang out or a website <laughs> where you can sell your firm. That would be nice if they all hung out be. together at the water at the water cooler. And exactly. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try to create actually a community just like that. Um but until we get there, first of all, there are websites where businesses can be listed for sale and lawyer law offices are businesses. So you can find them if you Google law firms for sale and you'll find some online. But otherwise like our business, quid pro quo, we are very proactive and we act almost like traditional recruiters where we are building our list. We're tapping people on the shoulder and we're saying, we have a firm that we represent that's for sale. After doing our research, we think you'd be a great candidate. Is that something of interest to you? So we do calls, we do emails, we do direct mail. And no, you got to find you know that uh, straw in the haystack. Oftentimes, it might be closer than you think. So if you're looking to sell your law firm, this may sound really weird, but think about those competitors because oftentimes they might be very interested in acquiring your firm. Absolutely. Absolutely. For multiple reasons. Yeah. Another question for you, Victoria. What's in a name? What's in a name? So, you know, I'd love to be able to say a name is very important and not having your own name on the firm gives it more value. Because, you know, if they're marketing, like I changed the name of my firm before I sold it, uh, three years before I sold it, I changed it from the elder and disability law firm of Victoria Collier to just the estate and asset protection law firm. And that wasn't actually legal when I did it to begin with. I did a DBA and I still had to attach my name to it. And then a year after that, they said, okay, fine, you don't have to do that. Um, I think that having a name that's not tied to you in general is good because it's more marketable to your clients. If you're telling them what you do instead of who you are, that's what they want. They just want a solution, you know, and and hopefully they assume that you're going to be competent at it and you are. But when you're going to buy a firm, it's certainly more marketable if it doesn't have your name. But like the firm I'm buying right now, it has the name of the individual. And for me, I said, I want to use that name for at least two to three years. So the name becomes very valuable if they've been in the community for 40 years, if they've never even had a website, if everything is based off their name, then where the value comes in is being able to use it after you buy it. Some would say there's no value because once you buy it, the person's gone and there's no value. But you have to be strategic in how you use it. Yeah. And if they are buying the firm, they can always have that person as part of the the deal, that person can be a you know emeritus partner or something like that on the website. So there's still some sort of a presence there, which leads me to my next question, Victoria, which is this issue of transition. I would love to get uh, some of your experiences when uh, an attorney sells a firm, what are the expectations on the other side with how long they stay engaged with the firm once the transactions happened? And what does that look like? So 
generally there's a transition period of some sort. You don't just sign the papers, hand over the keys, and then the seller walks I'm away like a house. See you later. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's not like a house. Um, and so part of the negotiations before the sale is negotiating what is that transition look like. You have some sellers that actually want to continue working, but they only want to do certain aspects of the job. There's some buyers that want the person there indefinitely for whatever reason. And so it's finding that middle ground and what are the tasks? How long am I to do the task? And am I being compensated separately for that? Or is that part of the purchase price? Those are all things that have to be negotiated before the actual closing. And then at the closing, you're just carrying out the contractual terms that you've come up with, whatever that is. And tell us a little bit about quid pro quo. Like, What's your sweet spot as far as attorneys who are looking to sell? So our sweet spot is a law firm that, I mean, I'm just going to say the pie in the sky law firm is one that's making between 750 to $3 million. They are net profiting at least 30%. They have at least one associate, a receptionist and a like office manager, legal admin type. And the owner has about a year left before they want to completely exit. And they understand the value and of their firm, and they're not unreasonable in that, um, and that they have systematization. They have a website. They have marketable assets that a buyer would want to buy. Fantastic. That, by the way, is the exact same sweet spot as Law Firm Success Group, You know, my coaching practice as well. So that's great to hear that we're so closely aligned. And about how far in advance before they want to get out should an owner reach out to you? So that really depends on the makeup of their firm and how quickly they want to get out. Because one of the things we have to assess is, do they really want to get out or are they just burned out? Because sometimes they're just burned out, but they really have no vision of what their life after law looks like. And if they have no vision of what their life after law looks like, it doesn't matter how quickly you want to get out. You're going to subconsciously sabotage any sale offer opportunity that comes along. And that's not good for anybody. And so we have to determine that at first. And so then we do evaluation. And in that valuation, we can assess and we determine where are the areas that could be improved? And then we ask the seller, do you have the emotional capacity to do what it takes to improve some of these areas? Some of them will say, yes, how long will it take? Some of them will say, I just can't do anything, sell it now. And then we call that a fire sale, which means that it doesn't matter what the value is, you're going to get less than that <laughs> uh, <laughs> because they just need to get rid of it. But if they've got the time and they've got the emotional bandwidth, then we may improve in some areas, which means the value could improve. And for some people, when they get the valuation, they're like, oh, well, I needed more than that. Well, how much longer are you willing to stick around so we can get you there? So I would say at a minimum, they should approach someone like me for evaluation at least a year to three years prior to actually wanting to exit. And let's say they wanted to actually get more and they were willing to work with you to focus on some key areas of their firm to enable them to do that. 
What does that look like as far as working with you to improve their firm costs? Right. So I do private coaching in the areas that have been identified in the valuation in order to increase the value in those areas. And so that's a monthly coaching program that generally is designed to be for 12 months. Awesome. Love it. And Victoria, what are you looking forward to with regards to quid pro quo over the next year or so? So we have just been in business since February of 2021, and we already have a staff of eight and we see the need. And so my goal is to be able to continue to serve that need. And so my goal is to be able to close at least 10 law firms um, in 2024 and have 15 ongoing coaching clients that would be positioning to sell. Um, And then we do represent people who want to buy law firms. And so you know, helping people expand through acquisition is just fun. And so having a few of those on our roles would be helpful too. And nice. Absolutely. Well, sounds like you're off to the races. Congratulations on your success, Victoria. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Thank you. The best way is to go to our website, quidproquolaw.com. And then we also do have a private Facebook group called The Art of Buying and Selling Law Firms. Awesome. Victoria, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much. It's been great. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember... You can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.